to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears, in the Stockdale Center at the Naval Academy. My guest today is Dr. Joe Thomas, the director of the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. He is the past director of the Jean A. Lejeune Leadership Institute, the Marine Corps University. Joe is a retired Marine Corps lieutenant colonel with assignments in the Air Wing, the Naval Academy as a battalion officer, and the Marine Corps University. Joe, you also have quite a lot of experience in leadership in austere environments, and that kind of dovetails nicely into this segment where we're going to talk about a naval aviator punching out of his A-4 Skyhawk as it disintegrates around him into a relatively austere environment almost immediately. The world of Epictetus is actually what uh, Stockdale called it, Epictetus being a a Greek-Roman philosopher who uh, is a proponent of Stoicism. Uh, Stockdale becomes aware of this uh, school of philosophy while he's studying at Stanford University prior to going to squadron command. And it, uh, in effect, saves his life. In his own words, it saved his life. So it's 1965, September, I believe, and he was flying an A-4 going into North Vietnam. Pick it up from there, please. That's right. Well, in a word, he's shot down. He's, he's shot down uh, over Hanoi, uh, takes the aircraft in, and as he's uh, descending under the silks, uh, under his parachute, he realizes and, and says to himself that he's leaving the world of technology and entering the world of Epictetus, that same Stoic philosopher. Uh, and uh, the time that he spent at Hualo Prison, or otherwise known as Hanoi Hilton, over uh, close to the next eight years, only confirms that fact for him. Now, it's, it's fortunate, not just for himself, but uh, also for all the prisoners that served at Hualo with him, that uh, he did have such a deep understanding. And in fact, in many ways, served as an embodiment of, of Stoic philosophy because it saved his life and the life of really countless other prisoners that were interred with him at, since he was the senior prisoner of war at the time. So we've got this concept called the Stockdale Paradox. How does that work? Yeah, it's. I mean, that. in some ways, the Stockdale Paradox uh, encapsulates the most important lesson of James Stockdale. Uh, the term itself, the Stockdale Paradox, comes from a book that was published in, in 2001 by a guy by the name of Jim Collins. The, the book is called Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and, and Others Don't. And it's a series of case studies about uh, Fortune 500 companies and, and some transition into new markets successfully and, and some perish, uh, refuse to kind of adapt to, to changing markets and, and environments, new economies. Uh, and the cases themselves are interesting, but the important thing that Collins delivers in this book is a series of about seven little anecdotes or, or lessons that are broadly applicable to not just the private sector, but the public sector, even the military. Uh, among those seven lessons is what he calls confront the brutal facts, uh, otherwise subtitled as the Stockdale Paradox. Stockdale, because he interviews Jim Stockdale as, again, as a person who embodies uh, the idea of being able to hold two thoughts in your head at one time, otherwise referred to as paradoxical thinking. And, and in my mind, paradoxical thinking is the essence of critical thinking. A paradox, of course, is a, is a counterintuitive or even self-contradictory statement. Uh, and in that way, it becomes a puzzle that leads to a deeper truth. So if you think about everything that's wrong with a national conversation today, uh, it's the inability of most people to understand that both sides uh, in this debate, this national political debate, uh, contain a kernel of the truth. And Stockdale absolutely understood that quite well in that he held 
on one hand, this idea of optimism. In fact, he expressed it in his interview with Jim Collins in the making of this book as just this, and I'll quote Stockdale. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Let's take a real quick break here, Joe, and then come back and dive deeper, especially into that comment that it's the, the most defining moment of my life. Let's take a break and we'll come back. back. I'm with Dr. Joe Thomas at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership, and we're talking about the Stockdale Paradox. You're right now talking about the most defining moment in one's life, at least from Admiral Stockdale's point of view. That's right. Joe, how does that fit into the life of a midshipman right now, and what is the takeaway that a mid should take? The issue at stake here when considering Stockdale, and, and more specifically the Stockdale Paradox, is an issue of mindset a frame of mind where you can take something that on its face appears to be the greatest tragedy, uh, something that's insurmountable, a challenge that you're just not going to get through, and reframing that challenge, that insurmountable problem in your life, reframing it in such a way that it becomes not only something that you can get through, that you can survive, that you can succeed in the face of this challenge or obstacle, but in some way can become the defining aspect of your life. In, in that way, it can serve as a pivot point on which to redirect your entire trajectory. Are, are you saying that we should all go out there and look for hard and possible places or things to get involved in? Yeah, potentially. I mean, that, that's part of it. But let me give you the second part of the, the paradox. Again, the paradox is defined by uh, counterintuitive or, or self-contradictory contradictory statements. And in this case, the other side of Stockdale's optimism that I just read to you is the notion that he believed the reason that those who died, who perish at Wallow Prison, were the optimists. He believed that the optimists didn't make it out. And I'll quote him again. He says, the optimists, he said, uh, would feel that we're going to be out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and so on. And then they would eventually die of a broken heart. Uh, this is a, an incredibly important lesson because this is not a type of blind optimism uh, where you kind of set a marker on the calendar that I'm going to be optimistic up until this point. Uh, and you allow the natural occurrences in life to get in the way and leech the op optimism from your soul, from your spirit. Stockdale had a long-term vision for what was possible. But he also, at the same time, this is what causes the paradox. He also had a commitment to the reality, the harsh reality that were, that were his circumstances in Wallow. So he was able to embrace both of these things. These things that I said before were counterintuitive, that, that are self-contradictory. He held them in his mind at the same time. And in, in essence, and this is the final quote I'll give you from Stockdale uh, in, in Collins' book, and it's, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, wherever they might be. In that statement is the antidote 
to everything from post-traumatic stress. It's the answer to resiliency in the face of hardship in any setting. It just so happens that Stockdale was in the most extreme setting. Uh, and so he has some credibility in that regard. I'm going to turn this on you because I get it. I get what you're saying. You don't have to be a cynic or a pessimist, but the optimism has to be put in check. Try that one more time with me. Yep. How do I live life? If I choose to live life with a smile on my face, even in the most desperate situations, why is that bad? Well, it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say optimism in this case is defined by a long-term goal and a deep abiding commitment to that long-term goal. In some ways, this is also expressed in this concept of grit, which has gotten a lot of traction over the past few years. Grit differs from simple resilience or mere resilience in that it, uh, it, it makes the claim that you have to have a long-term goal to fixate on, to focus on, and then move toward that. Persevere, be resilient along the way, but there has to be a long-term goal in mind. I think simple optimism, uh, the, the type of optimism many of us associate with just keeping a smile on your face at all times, is just stiff upper lip uh, type of smile in the face of adversity. That in itself is not going to give you the discipline required, or it's not even going to suggest the discipline required to get through truly the toughest times. Joe, thank you very much for the time spent today. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other things for us to talk about. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. My pleasure. You've been listening to Ethics of the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.